Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Pastor Demas, uh, a pastor, producer, director, uh, humanitarian, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here at Premier. Um, we are talking because of your latest film documentary, uh, yeah. Chicago, Hidden, Hidden War of, of America, uh, which documents the horrific things going on in Chicago. But if I could dial back a little, um, your background, uh, you are known in many quarters as the 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 modern day Nikki Cruz because yeah. of the life story of uh being in being in gangs not just being in gangs being a kingpin uh, when it comes to a city and then giving your life to Christ uh, but what what baffled me is you grew up in a home your mother was was a head teacher of a school as we might call it here yeah. Your father, I think, was in is was in the air force or, or something. Yes. Nature, uh, um, and you lived in an area that many would 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 kill for in New York. It was a lovely area, known as a lovely area. How do you end up in drugs at the age of eleven? With all the things people say uh, a young boy must have to live a steady life. You know, a lot of people think um, white communities don't have drugs in them. And uh, I went to a predominantly white school and, uh, and one of my friends called me in the bathroom and he had stole uh, a bag of drugs, a mescaline at the time, which is, is a hallucinogen drug. And he was like, look, you know, you want to help me sell this? And I had just watched the movie Scarface uh, and, you know, which was written by Oliver Stone. And that movie, uh, they wanted to rate, rate that movie X, not because of, uh, in the United States, you know, we rate X ratings means nudity or something like that. They wanted to rate it X because of the effects they thought it would have on young people. And they were right. Uh, I saw that movie and I said, wow. I said, I can make millions of dollars selling drugs. And, and then I dived into that drug world and uh, my mother and them didn't know. And, you know, they, they taught me the good path. They said, son, this is what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to go to school. Then you're going to end up going to university. And, you know, and you're going to have a career. And I started seeing people uh, that were dealing crack cocaine that were around my age. One guy that was going to my school, he was, he was 12 years old and he was driving a Volvo. And I said, wow. And I said, man, we could do this like this. And I, so that's what caught me. But in the neighborhood, because it was so beautiful, because it was so manicured, because, you know, all the families were so tight knit, they didn't realize that the underworld was growing in, right underneath their noses. And it became one of the largest crack dealing areas 
uh, in the United States. One drug block made $150,000 a day, every day. You, um, you as, as I said, and as you just recounted, you, you grew up in this nice area, you fall into this. Uh, and, I, and I know that in your, in your book, uh, Street God, you, you talk about these things as a way of waking up parents to know that just dropping off their children in a school doesn't solve the, the problem. Um, yes. I wonder though, uh, how is it that, I mean, an 11 year old, um, you see another 11 year old driving uh, a nice car or having to seem to have the freedom and the, and the power you might want, what they have to say becomes so much more uh, effective on your psyche than what your mother at home is saying that you know mummy loves me but this kid i don't know is is that all just down to scarface yeah um i would say scarface had great influence on me when you're like even even you know this is why there's a large population of 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 um black uh, young people that that drop out of school it's hard to see far down the road how everything connects together you know what she said to me sound like 70 years away <laughs> you know what i mean even though it wasn't it sounded like 70 years away she's like yeah and after you work and after you do this after university then you'll have a car then you'll have this and i'm looking and saying wait i could get this right now i don't want to wait 70 years and then even in the developmental stages of of adolescence 11 12 13 year old you have a poor sense of reality you have a poor sense of consequences so you you you're trained to distrust to not trust your your parents from the dumb uh television shows you watch you know the father always comes in well, what about this? You know, the mother's like, what's going on? And she's in the blind. So all those things had a real impact on me. And that's what motivated me later on to want to be engaged in film and in television to, to help change this narrative, to be able to look like, if you look back at the black and white movies and things like that, they were helping to form character, which is not even being touched today. So you, you do you do go on to make films, and and one of the reasons we're talking now is because your current one is uh, is shortlisted uh, for for the Oscars, which is an incredible yes. incredible thing, uh, and it's even more incredible knowing that that wasn't what you started out to do. You just started out to bring change in 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 an in an area. But uh, before I move on, um, looking back now, if you were talking to if you had the opportunity to talk to your mum or your your dad, though they were yeah. separated, um, yeah. and you could say something to them that could uh, that could effectively change the impact of of Scarface on their eleven year old, what would you say to them uh, to do or not to do? Because I guess at some stage you would have seen Scarface. But what what would have what 
would they have, could they have said or done that would have changed the outcome of what went through your eye gates? Outside of, outside of Jesus, I, I don't think much would have been able to change. One thing that uh, my father did that was very helpful was he bought a hot dog stand just for me. He said, I'm going to teach you how to work. And we would go out. And when I was doing the hot dog stand, at the end of the day, he showed me how to do the books, how to manage it. And I would have a stack of cash, you know, a lot of singles because the hot dogs were, well, like today would be one euro, but, you know, it was like one dollar. So I had a stack of ones and I was like 10 years old, looking like a king, you know, going and buying clothes and stuff like that. And then he just kind of stopped it. So I had this hunger for that image again and that money to continue. So I walked into the perfect storm. I already had the love of money. I had no Jesus and I had opportunities to do sin. And, and, I, and I'm in a big city that, you know, is known for darkness. And at that time, the mafia, John Gotti and all of them controlled almost everything in New York. Everything in New York City pointed back to the mob. It's a miracle that they, that they are not in control anymore. So I was the perfect storm. Uh, the other thing I think which probably could have been helpful is when you see the environment swallowing your child, if you have the means and the, and the ability, get him out of that environment. Wow. Send, you know, I, I'm sending you to go stay with your aunt somewhere for a little while to, to break this routine, you know, because I, the, the neighborhood had a grip on me, you know, more than I think most people know. Gangs have a grip on your children more than you can ever imagine. Because every time they come, you know, where were you? You know, we were doing this. Why weren't you here? You know, that's a high level of accountability that sometimes parents have as they are as they are going home and coming to work and seeing their kid. The gangs are very, very invested in the sad part, they're often way more invested than the churches. A gang member will put you in his house to sleep and stay if you get kicked out. A church may say, I have to walk through this process with you. We have to figure things out. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to do this for you. So the church has to really find a way to out love people more than the darkness does. But that's a whole other message <laughs> and tough. And I'm a, I've been a pastor for years, so I'm not picking on pastors, but I'm saying sometimes the church gets a little too organized and too structured that we, we don't operate like Jesus will. Just come in here. You need food? Come in here. Sit down. Hey, let's order some food right now. We say we have a food program on Wednesdays. We have a food program on Thursdays. Come back then. You know, and so, so it's not as often as organic as, as it could be. And one of the things you, you, do, you do talk about or you highlight with the, the movie uh, uh, Chicago, the, the Hidden Wars, which is why we're talking, you, you talk about how there's, there's a need for, for the church to remain because in your journey, you saw the work you did uh, mean, meant that crime uh, went to almost zero in your in your area. Yes, uh, but there's an image that's stuck in my mind, which I really need you to speak to. You're you're a young young gangster, young successful gangster. You you're arrested. You you escape 
you've got handcuffs on, you escape from the police, you dress, you get dressed in a woman's <laughs> dress and run to, I mean, this is the stuff you watch on movies. Yeah. Take us through, through that for someone who's not familiar with that part of your story. I mean, albeit we know it's, 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 it's tragic and sad, but it just, just the picture of a young bright mind. So, I mean, tell us about how you got there and how you got through that to Carolina and became uh, daylight in Carolina. So I could do that. So, um, I, I did a small stint in jail for a, uh, for a year, not for anything violent for, for drugs. I got snitched out basically. Someone set me up. Um, so, uh, they put me in jail for a year. So I get out and honestly, I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to turn my a leaf and get a job, but nobody hired me, you know, and, uh, and that was so hurtful. And, uh, so I said, okay, well, I know how to make money again. And I got pulled back into that world. And, uh, and I, you know, I walked straight in as a leader. So that's, that's very helpful. But what I didn't realize, and um, I used to know how to, the reason I made so much money was like the TV show Breaking Bad. I was a chef. I knew how to cook and process it uh, myself at a higher quality than everybody else. So, but while I was cooking and processing, I must have skipped the class on that your hands are like pores. So the cocaine was going into my bloodstream and I didn't know it from cooking and sweating. So I'm giving these urine tests to my parole. I don't know what they call it uh, in, in Europe, uh, but you know, you have to go back to um, someone that's- Yes, that's your parole officer. Oh, parole, okay. So, so, you, so I'm giving it. So then one day they handcuffed me and they say three times you came in here testing positive for cocaine and you have to go back to jail. Now, there were guys in jail that wanted to kill me, okay, because I was a big-time fighter. And now I was going through my mind. I said, these guys now are on top in jail. If I go in jail, I'm going to get stabbed up, sliced up. So I took the handcuffs like, like so, and I knelt down and brought them to the front of me and stepped over them. And when the, the officer had left the room, and when they came back, they didn't notice that now the cuffs were in front of me. I just was very flexible. So then the woman said, are you ready to go to jail? I said, no, I'm not. And I took off running and I'm running and I got to the stairwell. And you know, when you're young, your body's like rubber. Okay, I just leaped and dived down the stairs and was rolling and got, if I did that today, I'd be still at the bottom of the stairs like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? So I'm running and I get out and I'm running down uh, this big street. It's almost like, you know, like, like, like Piccadilly Circus in a kind of way. And, and they're chasing me down and I'm getting past all the people and I'm going and going and I hide inside of a mall. And they thought I went all the way in the mall, but I jumped into a barbershop and hid in the office. And nobody in the barbershop saw me do this. I don't know to this day how that happened. But you could hear everybody and everyone's yelling in the barbershop. Cops is chasing some guy down the stairs and they're running after this guy. And then one of the barbers opened the door and I'm there with the handcuffs like, please call my friend who was a barber at the time. 
And he came and was like, what's going on? And I said, look, I need help. He went, got a cutter, snapped it. And then he said, I'm have a friend that's gonna pull around the car, but you gotta change up. So I took my shirt off and, and, and put a hat on and I walked like I was really short and got in the car and got away. And then uh, to make a long story short, I told my girlfriend, we have to get out of here because they started to surround our whole perimeter where her house was and everything. And uh, I had to dress like a woman and, uh, and, and, and get in a car and get out of the checkpoint and then caught a train with drugs strapped all over my body to go into North Carolina because I had already done one trip there prior to this. So I said, we have to move everything down to the Carolinas. And that's, that's and how this whole became, thing came You became an incredible, successful drug dealer, but then you had a, an encounter with, with uh, three... I had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> but first, uh, the, the encounter was, was pre preceded by a, a young lady who was known to be a witch, um, yeah. who, who does what we might call obia on you, which you said affected your mind and these older ladies who were running a Bible uh, class heard and asked to pray for you. Which... You know, let me just say this. I love journalists from the UK. Y'all do your homework. I appreciate that. That's... I really do. You know, I can tell you how many people are like, I don't know, tell me more. But every time, whether it's your program or others and you're dealing with the UK, you're really dealing with excellence. So I just want to, want to applaud you on, on knowing so much. You know more about my own life than me almost. It's <laughs> very, very kind. But yeah. take us back to that moment because that moment will, will define what then happens later on and what we're talking about now, which is this film, uh, which we're yeah. all rooting for you, hoping that it goes all the way at the Oscars. Yeah. It starts with three old ladies who... They're not televangelists. Uh, nope. Probably won't see them on TV. Uh, nope. Even if you saw them on the street, you probably think, nah, old girls. But they were the tools that God used to turn your life around. Tell us about that moment. Sure. So um, this one drug dealer, you know, drugs lead to darkness. If you look at uh, Galatians, and, and there's a word, I think it's Galatians chapter 5, somewhere around verse... 18 and 19 is a word called sorcery. And the Greek word is pharmakia, which connects to drugs, where we get the word pharmacy from. And uh, so drugs always leads deeper and deeper into darkness. So this one enemy kingpin drug dealer who controlled the territory adjacent to mine, um, he was dating a witch and paying her to do works on people. Now, many people from uh, West Indian and African cultures and different cultures are very aware of this and uh, white cultures too, you know, with, with Wicca and different things like that. Darkness is real. And she put, uh, uh, say basically in, in layman's terms, a spell on me that I nearly lost my mind. I was shaking. I was seeing everything in red and, uh, and I, was, I was really going through. And then three ordinary women you know, that served Jesus faithfully, said, can we pray for you? And they took me in a room, and when they prayed for me, in faith terms, I started to manifest. Demons 
started being really active. I mean, throwing me on the floor. I mean, it was quite a showdown, like uh, the exorcism, but my head didn't spin around. But a lot of things went down in that room. And they prayed for me and they cast the, the, the demonic powers out. And that started from that point on my journey into trying to pull others out of darkness. And, uh, and I remember going outside after that happened, I started screaming to God. I said, never again, God, I will never sell crack cocaine again. And I said, I'm only going to sell marijuana because it's natural. <laughs> and, uh, and God has a sense of humor. You know, he was patient with me. And then I realized I can't even do that. I got to follow Jesus all the way. Turned myself in, was facing seven years. And uh, the judge pardoned me uh, because she said she could see that there was such a physical difference, uh, such a, a, a glow that she didn't want me to become who I used to be. And she yeah. wanted me to continue to be who I am. So that kind of spurred me into, um, you know, fighting homicides all around. I've been to, you know, Sri Lanka uh, when they bombed there, you know, I've been to the Paris terrorist attack. Uh, I flew there to help out. You know, um, I, I've been all over. You know, you know I've been on the tubes of London many, many times. Where the sign says "Mind your gap." You know, I preach on those. I preached on those tubes. You know, I just try to be used anywhere that God could use me. Yeah. Now there's. I mean, we. I wish we had so much more time. Yeah. So much we could explore with you and you telling your your story. Um, but you've talked about this different parts of the world where you've gone um, many parts where, uh, I mean, uh, the Red Cross would go, but certainly not uh, uh, a minister would go with, with his team, at least. No, and, and, can, I, can I speak to that real quick? Yes, yes. Because the church did all of disaster response first, and we give it all the way to Red Cross they don't have a cross there because it wasn't, you know, somebody just said it's a nice looking symbol. There was a cross there because it was Christians going to do that work. So the faith community has given away its hospitals, it's given away its, its, its first responder jobs, it's given away its, many of its schools. And, and I think, you know, thinking that non-believers would, would do a much better job, and it's shown factual evidence that they don't do a much better job. So I think we have to keep the fight going and be in every sphere of influence and care and service and not just sit back and say, you know, let's wait for someone else to come. So I think that's critical. And that's what led me to go into Chicago and start fighting. I mean, 77,000 people have been shot in Chicago but now, did you, did you, yeah. you yourself, you, you, you weren't really aware of the, the, the gravity of, of the, the, the darkness in Chicago yourself. You, no. you had a conversation with your publisher. Yeah, Tyndale, Tyndale Publishings was located on the outskirts of Chicago. And I went there one day, you know, to do a meeting with them. And they were like, oh, the killings in Chicago are so bad. And I said, what do you mean? They said, you don't know? There have been more people killed in Chicago than Afghanistan and Iraq put together. And I said, what? 
I said, what's our country doing about it? So that's why the title is Chicago, America's Hidden War. And I can tell you, if, if the people dying there, if that was uh, a, a Boulder, Colorado, if that was Columbine area or whatever, I mean, the support to stop those killings would be unreal. So, so for, for those who are not familiar, because um, you mentioned those names, uh, uh, what's the... Uh, well, what's significance about that? Yeah, white communities. Chicago and those are, yeah, those are predominantly white neighborhoods. You can't get more white than Columbine, where they had a mass shooting, or Boulder, Colorado, where um, they had shooting there as well. You know, those are predominantly white areas. But because it is, it is the, the disenfranchised poor communities in Chicago, the cops don't uh, deal with it at the height of the level that they need to, to actually put a stop or at least a big dent into the shootings. Now you talk about um, whilst you're filming and you document on your, in your film, uh, you're, you're, you're surprised that back in New York, when there's a murder, NYPD, they shut down the area, but you were in Chicago, people were being shot and you saw no police. Yeah. How is that possible? So, so it's, not, it's not quite no police, it's like this. Let's imagine um, someone was shot uh, in, 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 in uh, London, you know, on a side street. You know, there'd be a, a deep investigation. Uh, people try to find out what's going on. Uh, in Chicago, like, you could see a crime scene and you can drive away and have a meal and come back and there is no evidence that a crime scene has happened it's like a cleanup crew that shows up gathers their stuff gets their bullets you know gets a few things you know mop clean up the blood or whatever and then and then it's out of it that is not the case in in many 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 other cities you would see the tape there for hours and hours and hours you see detectives working there around the clock to find out what's going on. So that's why you heard the young man say, they don't solve murders in my neighborhood. You know, if you think of Jennifer Hudson, whose family were brutally murdered in Chicago, the singer from, a, you know, became a star American Idol and Dream Girls won an Academy Award. Uh, they did a deep investigation on her case because she was such a major figure. But if she wasn't a major figure, I would, I would fight the argument that they would have not have solved that case. So one of the areas that you, you, you went through was the area that Michelle Obama grew up in. Yeah, it's called, um, it's called uh, Parkway, um, Parkway Projects, uh, known as O-Block. And that is where Michelle Obama, uh, when she was born, she, she was in that projects. And you, you said you, you, you documented that there, there, there were kids 11 year olds 10 year olds who actually at night in chicago they don't sleep on their beds they sleep under their beds why why is that 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 seems yeah the, the kids said you know so these kids people in chicago get reports all the time 
of how people were shot by stray bullets while they were sleeping in their beds at night. So now these nine-year-old and eight-year-old and 10-year-old kids have to process that. And these kids, you know, we couldn't put everything in the movie. But these kids tell us, they're like, I got bullet hole rules in my house still today. So they have made a decision that it is safer for them to lay their blanket underneath their bed and lay flat. And they feel like it is a lesser chance of them being shot with bullets coming through the wall based on the trajectory that they say bullets inside of their homes. Do you hear how crazy this sounds? Can you, um, I, mean, I know London mainly does stabbings. Can you imagine that these kids are walking around their homes, not just one, not just two, but every kid on our film, it, you see their whole group of them. I couldn't make this up. The guy said, how many of you have lost a loved one in your family? And they, one of them said, all of us did. All of us did. That wasn't like a group that they went and said, okay, how many of you have lost a loved one come to this gathering? No, it was just a gathering that was taking place. And at the gathering, all of them said, every last one of us has a family member that have been murdered on these streets. One kid said he watched, uh, uh, we're gonna release this just a, 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 little, a little sneak peek uh, a video, I'll, I'll send it to you. And uh, this kid said, look, I saw my uncle get beat up right in front of my house. Then they shot him right in front of my eyes. Then to make sure he was dead, they walked up and shot him again. And he said, I can never forget it. He said, I saw it with my eyes. He said, I can never forget it, man. Like that, it was so heart-wrenching uh, uh, what this kid saw. And uh, it just it just blew me blew me away. Now, for, for, forgive me, I know I've taken more no, time than I should have, but uh, let's, let's, uh, I hope we have the opportunity to speak to you again, but your film has been uh, uh, short, shortlisted for yeah. the Oscars. Uh, yeah. Tell us about about that and what that means yeah. to you and what the hope is <laughs> and how we can how the British public can be involved in that in that journey. Absolutely. So um, you know what what happened is there are two lists. So there's the first list that comes out where you beat out thousands upon thousands of movies. So as a filmmaker, uh, the honor is I'm in the top ten percent of of documentary filmmakers in the world i'm in i'm considered one of the best now in my field so you know that's a huge honor okay now a, a shorter list comes out on february 9th this week is when people are voting so this week if you can post something about you know uh what's going on in chicago and hashtag oscars or hashtag the Academy Awards, or, or go to our website. This is something that, that will help us a lot. Go to our website called chicagoshiddenwar.com, chicagoshiddenwar.com, and enlist. It'll say, just put your email. We'll update you when it's coming out in London. We'll update you when it's coming out in the UK and in the United States and all that. So our team is, is, is doing that. All those kind of things help. 
or even just post like what's happening in the killings in Chicago. It, it is a shame and it should not be ignored. Those are the things that people can do to really help. If you know someone in the Oscars, you know, uh, you can post and say, hey, you know, look at this incredible film or something. I don't know. Uh, the way, don't do that. Maybe that could be against the rules. They got so many rules. Forgive me if I said that. Forgive me, Oscars. I'm a new filmmaker. I'm like at this level. But, uh, but you know, you can hashtag things and just let them know this is a story that needs to be heard because, you know, I mean, for, for kids to, to live like this is, is unbelievable in one, in one of the greatest countries in, in, in the world. You know, it's just sad. Dr. Dumas, we, we, we look forward to speaking to you after the oscar win and yes. uh, we absolutely uh, we, we've got you on tape uh agreeing to the speaking to us after the oscar win before yeah. before you get but thank you so much for speaking to us thank and uh, we, we 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 really hope and pray that the film does go all the way because it does shed a light on the the, the darkness and and then it empowers the church also yes yes can i say that part that i, I didn't get to say is that the church is the most incredible force on the ground in Chicago, and that is not ignored in this movie. When you see what the church does, it's going to blow your mind. It's, it's going to, you know, I have a friend out there named uh, Nikki, uh, Pastor Nikki, and, 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 and uh, his wife is Pe Peppa out there, um, you know, the, the, the Alpha Church uh, in, in the UK, some good friends. Um, you know, it's going to expand people's minds of what we can do on the streets to, to, to win people, even in the UK, even in, uh, 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 you know, if you go from all, all over the UK, this, this, this paradigm works and people need to do it. Yeah. Pastor Dimas, thank you so much for speaking to us. Do you want to stay informed on the best of what's happening in the UK church today? Premier Christianity magazine is for you. The UK's leading Christian magazine is published every month and features interviews with Christian leaders, in-depth reporting, reviews, columnists, and loads more. And best of all, you can try it for free. Head to our website now to request the latest edition worth £5.95, completely free of charge. Visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm here with a contestant that was on The Voice UK. Yes. Hailing <laughs> from Birmingham, which I'm excited about because uh, I'm from Birmingham and I like to be got my Birmingham people. Very talented, beautiful, inside and out. The absolutely amazing Janelle and Tanisha.
Hello, how are you? Hello. <laughs> Wonderful, and we want to find out about you and how you are because uh, me following your journey as someone that's just been watching it is yeah. amazing <clears throat> to see when you see your favorite people getting the, <laughs> what's the word like the just the eyes and the respect and the mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. that they're meant to how's it been for you i want you to take us all the way back to the beginning way back in time um, uh, the beginning, beginning so first of all i'm jamaican right <laughs> <laughs> I was actually born in Jamaica and I moved to the UK when I was 10 years old. I lived in Luton for a little bit and then we moved to Birmingham and then we lived in Birmingham for a few years. I went to school in Cape Hill, like Smethwick area. And um, then we moved to Dudley and I've been living in Dudley for the past eight years. So, but Birmingham is, it's been my, my playing ground since like I got here. It kind of just helped me to, um, grow musically i'd say because that's where i met all the creatives you know the birmingham um massive and that <laughs> yeah, i always wondered about your accent because it sounded a bit londony but then mm-hmm. it sounded a bit caribbean but then it sounded i didn't know where you were from and i was like where is she actually <laughs> where she's actually like she's, that makes sense that you were in luton so a lot of singers uh, a lot of people they will sing as hobbies um, mm-hmm they don't decide to pursue it as a thing that they're going to do in their life. When did you decide that? When did you make that transition? Growing up, I always felt like I was going to be a musician, but it wasn't until like, I think it was year 10 and they were like, oh yeah, everyone's choosing their options. I was like, well, I ain't going to be doing English and I ain't doing science and Lord knows I can't do maths (laughs) and I ain't trying to do PE. Listen, I wasn't trying to do anything on the curriculum. I was like, you know what? go with music and I did and I did music at school for like two years year 10 to 11 and that's the first time I um, was introduced to like the studio uh, there's a music teacher called John Pye that used to come over and I made my first song and it was called Crying Glass and I wrote it about my mom and my dad not being in my life and it was yeah I was like this is good I could do this um, but nothing happened I went to college I, um, because I'd failed my maths and I went to college so I could get um, my C at least, because clearly I didn't get it in school. Uh, so, and then I thought, while I'm here, I'm not just going to do maths, I'm going to do music business. So I did a little bit because I wanted to get clued up on the industry and that led to me doing performances. So I was exposed to performing quite early, which I think is a blessing, actually. And then um, left that quiet, did IT, um, had a really good job in IT, actually. I was making more money then than I have, I have actually made ever since, you know? And I was young, I was like 19, 20. Then I left music for a while. I know my best friend, you might know her name is Tremendous. She's like, you know, you need to do this. This is what you're supposed to do. And you know what? I'm just really grateful for her in my life because she's kind of the person that's kind of seen the talent before I even did. Don't get me wrong. I believed in myself, but not to the level of taking it to the next the next step. And because she was busking for about two years prior to me busking, she's like, you need to do this. And I, I would count busking as my beginning to actually taking it seriously a lot of creative people i find that whether it's music i mean i do what i do you kind of mm-hmm. just say you're only a bubble sometimes and you want your own head how important is it to have the right people around you or do you give into that thing of we're just lone people lone wolf yeah. mentality we can do this by ourselves what one is it for you and how important is it I do believe people get into the mentality of I'm going to do it myself because of being let down. 
I've been let down so many times to the point I'm just like, God, I ain't doing this. I don't know what you're doing, but I ain't doing it. And then it's just like, <laughs> you need to have some good, solid friends and not just friends like your, your family, man. My mom and my brothers are like, now my dad, I can actually say now my dad's in my life. Um, it's just been a supporter nonstop. And now having like the kingdom around me, which is a new thing in general, um, I think over the last year or two years coming up, my mind has like been completely like, like it's going back to what it's supposed to be and coming around and evolving. But having good friends around you is what's going to be the difference. Honestly, like you need people that are going to say, yo, you know, you need people to actually gas you up because you're not going to be gassed all the time. There's been times I'm in this room. And I'm just like, what's the point? I've cried myself to sleep. Like, God, what's the point? I told my mom, there ain't no point. I told my friends, there ain't no point. But there is one friend that I've had because she's just so driven again tremendous like she's so driven and it's just like seeing someone like that you you learn to imitate yeah until you have something else on this journey as you said it can you know it could take its toll you can have days where you're just like man i just don't want to do this what are the mm-hmm. the the high points for you first before we get to the low points what would you say despite all of that has kind of yeah you go you know what it's still something i want to do Honestly, the high points has been just like unlocking stuff that I didn't know I could do. Like I always wrote my own music, but recently I'm like, girl, you actually a good songwriter. I don't want to give away my songs just yet, but I'm hoping there'll be a time where I can let go of it and not let it be too, not get too caught up in the fact that these are my songs or I, ha- I have to sing them. So I'm trying to work through that mental space right there. But the high points honestly has been busking. Like my best moments in music has been through busking. Through busking, I've had so many like amazing opportunities. I was at busking in Glasgow, and a guy came up to me and was speaking to me. He's like, "I saw you yesterday, but you were singing on this day." Now I couldn't sing because I had a tummy ache. So I was resting. He comes over to me with chatting, chatting, chatting. He's from America. He's like, "Hey, yeah, so um, I'm Kendrick Lamar's photographer. You know, if you wanna come to a concert, I get you VIP. T- Yo, that night I was in Glasgow at Kendrick Lamar's damn tour, and I was chilling in the VIP with my mom and my boy Gideon at the time. It was like, oh my god, yeah. And it's just like a lot of amazing opportunities have happened through Buskin. I don't really see a lot. What of- <laughs> it sound, it makes sense if you are an artist and you want to get yourself out there. What a better place yeah. to do it than just literally to bus and go for it? Yeah organic fan base right there and it listen don't get me started on what it does to your voice like it literally transforms it i thought i could sing before but now i'm just like yo send me some competition man where's beyonce she's busy Um, yeah but we're gonna move from the highs of it to the lows of it i mean you mentioned a little bit of it in that you Mm -hmm. all that kind of area of it but what would you say are the lows and almost to like prepare people as well that may be wanting to enter this industry to say it's not all Mm yay you won't just blow up overnight it's not what are the some struggles that you've had and how did you work through them the lows are always gonna be the lack of thinking you're getting anywhere or you're not where you should be or where you can be and then the lows of it's gonna be the money side now even busking is amazing there's been some days i've gone out there and i'm just like oh i don't want to do this because i feel like when i'm worried about money it takes so much joy away from busking and it's like people can smell it on you they're like oh my gosh she needs money i'm not giving her none today and it's just like <laughs> you know and it's just the balance of it and then waking up trying to motivate yourself in the morning and then at one point music was my sole focus like it was literally an idol i didn't even realize it but music was my idol and it's just like there's been a lot of lows because i'm in the bed and i don't want to get up and then i tried out for a competition and it's like every time we're supposed to get something close it just it just goes pear-shaped and I was just like god is this is this not for me and then you start questioning whether 
you're talented as you think you are and then you start questioning if it's going to be for you you start watching other people's progression and you're comparing yours there's, there's going to be a lot of lows but you just have to be able to push through it um and in the industry in general it's it's not it's not an industry that's for the light-hearted any industry in hollywood is not for the light-hearted hollywood is not my aim though but I, be, I believe at one point i'm good enough to get there so you just have to be prepared and just know it's not going to be easy sometimes it's literally who you know um people won't care if you're talented or not it's going to be how much money you can make them so you have to be ready in yourself to either be willing to not do certain things not compromise or but that's down to the individual i've already got i got to that place already so and it could change again in the next couple of years i don't know but right now um the let's say the low for me right now is lack of money and performing yeah so if, yeah that's that's the thing in it the yeah. industry's kind of weighed upon <laughs> with everything else around it <laughs> yeah i think they're, they're the biggest struggles man because it's like as much as being a creative person it does come from within and it's all from mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. that's not cool because you've got financial difficulties which is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't sometimes create as much as what you would want if you get in your head yeah your relationship with god which is what i want to kind of touch on now in that what has that been like i grew up in jamaica so that that kind of gives a full <laughs> dialogue already it's like ain't nobody going to church but every child is expected to be in church on sunday and i think i've kind of just had like a, a thing in the back of my head like okay god is real god exists and you know believe it or not when i was six years old like i went through like a really traumatic experience and i genuinely feel like god rescued me from that and it was through my mom's faith because though my mom didn't go to church she she had faith in god at that moment for that thing and it happened yeah and that always stuck with me this is 2018 my dad calls me so my dad's not in my life and then long story short let's just cut to it because it's going to be such a long story that's going to be the whole program but um, my dad we're talking and he's like he's apologizing for not being around we're both bawling he's bawling i'm crying bearing in mind i hadn't spoken to this guy since i was 13. the last time we spoke he basically told me to do one and not talk to him again and then you know what i said to god you know what this is you that this has to be you bearing in mind i wasn't really trying to go church or anything like that and i was like god this has to be you because it's one consistent prayer i've always had i want my dad in my life and now my mom's side of the stuff her mom and her they my mom was giving up at three months old let's just put it that way and then i said oh my dad called me and you know we've been talking blah blah blah. she's like oh i spoke to my mom today i was like what bearing in mind our parents can be bitter you know they don't know how to forgive and I was just like, this woman is speaking about her mom so calm, you know? And I was like, God, this has to be you. So I made a radical decision. I was like, okay, seeing as you did this for me, all right, God, I'm going to do something for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do something for God. <laughs> That's how ignorant we are. And it's like, okay, God, I said we did. I'm going to do something for you in it. So I do. I was like, okay, I start reading my Bible, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, reading my daily scripture and I'm praying before I leave the house. And then I thought I was good. Like, you think you're good with God because you're doing the bare minimum. And then in 2019, on the 9th of February, I'm just, I'm psyched. I'm ready to go busking in Bilston. It's a Saturday. And I'm, I prayed. I did my one scripture. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to make some money. I don't know why I opened Twitter. And I just saw a rapper cadet dies in car accident. And it just, blew, you know, when you stop and like everywhere's just, like there's just breeze going through your ears. There's just like a slow moment. And you're just like, what the heck am I doing with my life? You know, even now when I talk about it, I actually get emotional because I was just like, what are you doing with your life? Like, if you die right now, and it's just cadet story in general, my man was on the come up. He was going to do, like, one of the biggest shows in the world. And he just 
die is just a pointless death. Like he didn't get stabbed, he wasn't shot, he didn't get battered. It was just an accident. Who are you gonna blame, really? And then I cried the whole day. I was just, I was distraught. I've never mourned the death in my life. And I just remember thinking, where are you with God if you die right now? And then I made my money. I made about, listen, I made a lot of money that day and I couldn't even enjoy it. I was just sad. I went home and a girl, and I'm like, and then I'm listening to all these sad songs. It's a, it's a long story, but it's, it's you know, I, I'm listening to all these sad songs and a, um, and a song, I was into Jacob Banks, Don't You Grow Up. I'm just bought it, but I'm feeding it. I'm feeding the sadness, you know, as we do. And then a song comes on, it's like, wake up and get yourself to church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good morning. Wake up, wake. And I kept playing. The first time I watched it, I was like, I'm not going to church. Like, I'm really not going to church. And then, because I've been in the church and there's nothing there for me at this time. It was, it was like, I ain't trying to go back. And then, and I, I was listening, I was like, oh, God wants me to go to church. I'm like, I'm not going to church. And but furthermore, what church am I going to? Like they're all full of pagans, you know what I mean? And then um, I I said, I gave in, I gave in. I watched this song three times and at the third time I was just enjoying the music video. And then, um, yeah, so the, in my mind, there's a church in Wolverhampton that I sometimes go to, but I'm like, I know deep down that church is not feeding me. It's literally not feeding me. Like I'm just going there to say show face, take my tea and biscuits and go home. Literally, that's it. And then. I was like, God, but where do I go? And then a girl that reached out to me in 2017 pops up, says, hey, we're having church. I'd like you to come. And I'm like, I ain't even replying to this message because that means I'm going to be obliged to go. So I didn't reply. And I'm like, okay, God, Wolverhampton or Birmingham? Wolverhampton is literally 20 minutes from my house. Wolver Birmingham, on the other hand, is an hour on the bus. So then I'm like, I'm not going. And I was so adamant. Yo, when I say I woke up the next morning so early, I couldn't even be late on <laughs> if I wanted to be late. <laughs> it's like I woke up and I, I wasn't even tired and I was like okay so I checked the journey for the train for the um the because it's a Sunday no buses really run here and the 126 at the time at the bottom of my road goes exactly in front of the place in Birmingham I went reluctantly I went and I go in there and I'm looking at everybody because I'm like who's the pagan in here I need to see who the pagan is who was the pagan tell me who the pagan was me i was the biggest pagan in that chat <laughs> oh, yo when i say <laughs> i was i was met with love I, um i was i was just met with love and i was just and looking around because i've been busking in birmingham for so long i saw about four or five different people that reached out to me in the group of people and they're always like oh we want to invite you to a bible talk a faith discussion and i was like nah i ain't ready for that i ain't into that i'm not trying to yeah so yeah, I went there. I remember speaking to one girl, her name's Lynette, and I was just telling her my whole life story, and I was just bawling. I was like, I could die, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, where am I going to go? I don't want to go to hell. And she's like, so what do you want to do about that? I'm good, you know, I'm good. I just, I just wanted to tell you I'm good, I'm all right. I just needed someone to talk to. She's like, you don't think God wants you to do more? I was like, nah, because I, I was already praying in that. I'm reading my Bible, and like I was challenged at the next level. She's like, okay, I, I challenge you to study the Bible with us. I studied out the Bible and like after the first study, I just broke down in tears. It was called, the, um, the first study was called Seeking God, you know, and what does it look like biblically to seek God? And I was like, whoa, I've been lied to my whole life, you know? And then I just remembered crying that study and we carried on all the way to the end. And by the March the 11th, at around 10 p.m. ish, I got baptized, man. Wow. So it's like a month's journey. And then 
the challenge has been tough because like even come from like a homosexual background and just you know so many things like I burned weed like crazy back then and just there was a lot of, I was a party girl in it like I wasn't like a high high key party girl I was a low key party girl I was the one of the ones that enjoy house parties chilling with my mates and that and I'd built myself up around my musical image um girl them sugar all of that and just God just don't don't knock everything down i was just like why are you doing this to me i don't have any identity now <laughs> what am i supposed to do <laughs> and i had to learn that i have to be comfortable and confident that my identity is now in christ and it's still a journey um march coming will be two years since i got baptized actually and yeah man i had to end my relationship with my, with my partner at the time and she was like oh i saw it coming anyways and then and that surprised me i was like well damn we can make this a lot easier dump me but you know yeah and it's been a journey it's been a very long um tiring challenging sometimes i can't even be bothered other times i'm like oh my god you're so good and then yeah it's just been like a ro- this is the most unstable but still stable i've ever been in my life <laughs> literally so yeah that's 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 the journey in like the smallest nutshell yeah <laughs> that is an incredible journey just to think about that like, cadet because when that happened that was that was devastating man it was it was yeah it's the fact that that had such an impact on you as a person mm-hmm. to actually just wake up and say okay cool like what am i actually doing and it's just the way that god will put people in your life and people will mess mm-hmm. up right time that's a that's mm-hmm. a man 100 hats off <laughs> i know that all the sacrifices that we make as as christians it's a hard hard walk man i know a lot of people might not even get it but it's difficult man it really is so to commend you for sticking with it and (laughs) but it's just having that body around you as well in it because if you don't have uh, the right as i said like i'm learning to have all these group of people invading my privacy every single day why because accountability you know what the last time i smoked weed i literally felt like my chest i thought i killed myself mate because it went down so hard like i was like whoa so i'm officially not a weed smoker then i think if you deny anything long enough um like just like everything else in life it becomes a part of you so if you add every, if you add something long enough, it becomes a part of you. You take away something for long enough, it's no longer a part of you. You get me? And I won't really apply that to um, being same-sex attracted because it's very different in terms of like my goal is not to be heterosexual. My goal will always be to get closer to God. And I'm hoping as I get closer to God, God's going to refine me into a woman that can be like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. I want to marry this guy. But I'm not consciously going after that right now. I'm just consciously trying to get deeper rooted in God. And I believe everything else will come if it's meant to come in terms of that sense but in terms of like being attracted to women unfortunately I say unfortunately because it's not like the most easiest thing to give up but yeah I can't really bring myself to go back down to that route again and I just feel like that's going to be my thorn in the flesh from now on but at least I know you know no one sweet talked to me no one they gave it to me straight and now I have to decide every single day if that's something I'm going to stick by so yeah that is a thing <laughs> to just accept in your life anyone listen i just want to tell them yeah just just put it on the same level as if you were straight you can't have sex outside of marriage literally the moment you put it like that it makes sense just don't be having sex with it full stop of course you're going to be attracted to a separate gender but attraction is not a sin it's not what you do with the attraction and i think people just need to hear that and understand it because then you stop beating yourself up about it feelings are going to come and go god can't condemn you for a feeling it's what you do with the feeling that it can either turn into sin or whatever. 
you know and it's, it, if we stop putting homosexuality homosexuality above heterosexuality then people would just be calm you know and it's holding so many lgbt communities back from god because of this stupid barbaric mindset that people have thinking god is would be so like god is not stupid do you know what i'm saying but he thought about everything literally you know and it's just breaking down a lot of um what would i say not it's not cliche what's the word breaking down stereotypes yeah breaking down a lot of stereotypes about god because if people really understood god biblically and not opposed to how they want god to be then i feel they would open they would open the doors to literally everybody and stop making it like some exclusive club because it's not you know yeah i absolutely love that man and i do think i agree on that kind of thought process because it's it's people put homosexuality so far above I mean, it's mm-hmm. blown up thing and it's become like a it's yeah massive and it's just like the worst thing in the world but if you just put it mm-hmm. on the level of everything else like, it's sin it's sin it's, it's, it's sin all sin <laughs> literally did you used to make a certain type of music and then when you kind of got to know god more it changed or has it always been the same how has it kind of yeah played a part in that I always wanted to kind of glorify God in music without having to say like, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I've come to a place where I'm happy to make um, life music as a Christian that glorifies God in whatever the journey is, because I've been, I've been so like scrutinized in other churches for not doing gospel music. And then I always felt trapped in that as well. Like I felt like I was doing something bad or being guilty, but now that I'm getting to understand God more, it's just like glorify me in whatever you do. Yeah. And my music is going to be life music. Um, I am actually working on a gospel song though right now. And even then it's not gospel, it's just, it's an experience. Yeah. I'm just talking about my experience and God is in that experience. And in all my experiences, God is in there. Do you see what I'm saying? And, but this one I, I wrote, like I wrote it for God. Does that make sense? And I have a song from 2014 called Dear Love. Again, it's an open letter to God, but I said love because marketing and that. So I said, dear love as opposed to dear God. So if you really listen to my music throughout it, you would see 12's company is literally about you being alone and God's the only company that you have over a 12 month period with the 12 disciples. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. people can listen to it from whatever angle, but at the end of the day, it's what I wrote it about that matters because I'm the artist and people will take what they want from it. And they won't take anything bad. Why? Because I didn't write anything bad. Yeah. But right now I do want to make music that that you can say, hey, she wrote this for God. Does that make sense? But then I have tunes because I'm trying to rock down the establishment called Foreign Land. And it's just like, at the same time, we can't be ignorant to social issues just because we're Christians. Mm -hmm. So then Planet Ivory was about the black woman and the black struggles and just slavery and stuff like that. So I want to be expressive. But if, if if you listen to Planet Ivory, created is created in his image, or oh God bless these recipes. Because as much as the society don't want to think that black people are created in God's image, we are. You know, go straight back to the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are like, yeah, the Gentiles, God don't love the Gentiles. But it's just it's just a it's a circle that continues going and going and going. I just want to make music that evolves with me, and people will follow it. So that's why, yeah. I love that's- that. I do. I do love when uh, Christian people don't make that traditional gospel sometimes we need them gospel tracks that's gonna rip out our hearts and put them back in don't get me wrong those are still necessary like they are hunt that's what gets me back every time i'm about to swivel out 
I just hear one gospel song and it just slams me right back into the faith. I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are necessary for sure. <laughs> need the ones my Mary Mary do, but you also need that other section as well. Yes, yes, 100. Turn up, turn up gospel. Turn up gospel. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to get on to uh, the voice, mm-hmm. which is an amazing thing to have done. Uh, when I saw the clip online, I literally wound up because I don't know why. To be fair, I was just watching it. I was like, "Thank oh, you." Just like my voice. Um, <laughs> first, I want to find out about um, before we get onto the actual experience. A lot mm-hmm. of people would say that the voice is like a quick route or like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the easy route, and so a lot of people avoid things like that. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. Your thoughts when you came to apply for it my opinion on that is that it's not a quick route as you say because just because you go on a show that's a lot of people are seeing number one it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you become rich and all of a sudden everyone wants to hear your music there's still a level of work that has to go into it however in terms of platform yeah of course you get like what five million people seeing you straight away that's amazing but um um before i would say i don't want to say it was a quick route i would say it was like a last resort for me personally and it's like, I tried in 2018, believe it or not. And even where I was at as a person, I was like, yo, I was such a, I was such an egotistical human being, man. Like I thought like the world owed me everything. And then when that didn't work out, I was just really sad about it. And I saw I'd never go back on, but I wouldn't say that it's a quick route. It's just a different route. Yeah. It, me, I would like to be a person that they go back into my story and be like, this is what she had to overcome. This is, Cause those are the most, those are the most, um, they're the stories that kind of spur you on the most. Like, if Missy Elliott didn't have the journey Missy Elliott did, would would I want to listen to Missy Elliott? You know, as much as Lil Wayne, I don't really listen to... I don't like his music, but I love his story. I love his story. Why? Because it just shows perseverance. A lot of these artists that I don't listen to because I genuinely think their music is rubbish, um, not rubbish in the sense that um, technically it's rubbish, just in what they're saying. Yeah, and but guess what? I respect every one of their stories. Why? Because they all had to overcome something, and it's never going to be easy in the music industry or acting unless someone literally says, Come, I'm gonna take you under my wing. This is what we're gonna do. And yeah, it happened before, it doesn't happen as much, but it's not an easier route, it's just a different route because the same work is gonna need to, to go into it so you can be consistent, so you can be relevant, so you can actually create music that people want to listen to. What was that like? Is that the biggest? I mean, I don't know how it would work in COVID times. Was there people? It was, it was, it was on screens, like, you know, the screens. Have you watched Brains Got Talent recently? No. Okay, it was like just bare screens, man, just oh. everywhere. Yeah, so it's like the live audience is there, but on screens. And because the Brains Got Talent um, audience is generally bigger anyways, because they book out, Albert, Albert, is it Albert Hall or something like that? Mm. Albert Hall. And then The Voice is like a studio um kind of compactment so i guess the numbers will still be very different but it's it's just in the studio um it looks great i had fun i'm not gonna lie i had a great time um they paid for everything (laughs) that's always a plus so you don't lose you know you don't lose out you can't lose out the only if you want to look at it as losing then that's unfortunate you know but we can look at it as losing if 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 it doesn't achieve what we hoped it would you know and i think in 2018 it felt like a loss because it but in this year 2021 when I went like I felt like a child and I was so like scared and I was just so like oh my god am I gonna do this but I just really needed God to just let me sing the song the best way possible and I felt like I didn't do that the last time because I was so reliant on myself and the one thing that I expected to get me through failed me which was my voice literally 
you know and this time I was I was just like God I, I really I really need you to help me sing this song properly and if no one had turned around I can honestly say as long as I sang that song vocally the best that I could I would have still been happy and when Will turned so easily I nearly cried and something was in my head like bro sing the song what are you doing like I think God had to just be like hello you're not finished because <laughs> I felt myself well enough but it's like okay sing the song and then a little bit of cockiness came in and I was like yeah but I ain't trying to sing for just one judge and, I was, and then then I nearly went too cocky in it and God was like hey chill out chill out and sing the song and it's like I was having this dialogue in my head and it's just like don't be cocky just just take the moment for what it is you know but then Ollie turned anyways so overall it's been a great experience um I really achieved what I kind of set out to was just to prove that I could sing the song perfect and just to have will I am turned because that was always the person that I wanted to turn for me anyways and yeah honestly and I'm kind of glad Tom didn't turn because I would have been confused now between will and Tom legend or a genius you know um but i think even that in itself happening was purposeful like i didn't have to be stressing about who to choose you know and i i just enjoy the experience both from like a just general musician perspective and just like a learning to trust god perspective yeah, yeah. so it's been fun a lot of traveling meeting new people met will i am met tom you know it's, it's, it's fun it's fun it's fine. I was like meeting them because we grow up with these people. You watch them on TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like coming face to face? Do you get starstruck or are you one of them cool people? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a starstruck person, you know. I've never been, but I really love when I see people that I know just did like really amazing things. And you're kind of like, you're giddy for them because of the career. And you're like, oh my God, I could probably do this. Oh, they did it. And you know, because of the whole COVID thing, um, we everything was done at a two meter distance um even just like meeting the other contestants and stuff like that but the coaches they're they're on this we're on the stage in front of them and they're like sitting down so we talk to them there's a nice dialogue back and forth i think all of them are amazing and i think ollie's just such like a really playful person tom is pretty chill out and cool will i am is just like you know he's a guy he's a dude and amory's really sweet so and the judge not emma not the judge the host emma she's she's amazing and the staff just everyone has just been Honestly, I can't fault anyone. If I said anything at fault, like I'd genuinely be lying. I had a, I had a blast. They treat you fair. Um, they look after you. They make sure everything is running on schedule. Um, they call you to make sure you're on the right train. And I think it's nice to do that for contestants because you still don't know whether or not they're going to make it, but they're treating everybody equal. Yeah. And even when I didn't make it in 2018, it was kind of like a similar treatment, like equality. You know? And I, I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. That's good because you always hear kind of horror stories about exactly, exactly. Don't care for your mental health, a disregard. Yes, doing that. That's that's exactly. So, if there are people right now that are watching this and they're thinking, "Man, I have five minutes, but I don't have a lot of time to listen to all of her music or listen to one song to get the the feel of her vibe." What song recommend? It's gonna be the new one that's coming out February the (laughs) fourteenth. Chosen for your heart, and I'm hoping it will be out by then, obviously. But um, it's a new song, and it's coming from like a new perspective. It's called Chosen for Your Heart, and it's actually so beautiful. I made it in my bedroom right here, but I got Lennis, my producer, to just tweak it and make it sound more beautiful, more professional, you know, because I'm working on like a little bedroom EP, and it's been good. And that one is a song that I know is is going to really, like, just show people where I'm trying to come from, yeah, but the one that's out now that I would tell him to go listen to is Top's Company because it's a beautiful song. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. I had it on <laughs> such a long time. Like, <laughs> it's like just there. All My, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, as well. um, thank you but yeah 14th of february i'm gonna release chosen for your heart which is basically speaking about you know first i think it's first samuel first samuel 17 yeah about david and goliath in it yeah. and i remember someone at church he took this he took like a really um unique perspective on this and it helped me finish the song because i was really struggling with recording the vocals because i wasn't connecting to it and he's like oh everyone in this story wants to be david you need to understand that you're the slingshot and i was like oh my god i'm the slingshot <laughs> and then i was like you know it's like god is david you know and goliath is whatever's inside of you you know, your problems or your worries. I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. And I think it allowed me to sing the song better. So yeah, it's called Chosen for Your Heart. It's a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony was just like, y'all are the slingshot, man. <laughs> I'm the you ain't David. <laughs> yeah, David's got in this, in this, in this seat, in this yeah, little, you know. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that, man. Um, <laughs> apart from that, then, is there anything else that we should be looking out for should be looking forward to yes so between um after we release chosen for your heart the 14th of february i really need to um I want to release a body of work, but I'm thinking to release either two, two EPs or just do one EP and spend the rest of my time working on this album because I don't have an album out yet. And it's something that I really want to get done before the end of this year. But there is a song on there called Foreign Land and it's just written from the perspective of just like me being in the UK, um, the kind of influence or like um, uh, impact that it's had on me as well as like not just us, but our parents and their parents. So I'm writing it from like the perspective of three generations being in Birmingham and I wrote it from a Birmingham standpoint because that's where I I kind of gained my confidence in me and everything like that and it's called Foreign Land and I'm just I'm just working on like lots of little songs but the bedroom EP Chosen for Your Heart will be on that one. <laughs> Question that I want to ask is uh, if there's people right now that may be listening and they're struggling with their hope or they're struggling with feeling just the weight of life because right now life is is a weight. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. weight it's been a weight 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 for like the past year yeah 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 um, what words of encouragement would you offer them words of encouragement um honestly i would it sounds so cliche but this is what got me to where i'm at study the bible and take it as it is do not get offended by the Bible. If you get offended by the Bible, you're really just mad at God. And that's just another situation itself. And have people that are going to be real with you about the Bible, because there is only one interpretation of the Bible. Literally, there is only one. And it's like, you don't need to be filling in gaps where God left gaps. Just leave it as it is. And if you take the Bible as it is, it's going to be tough and it's not going to be popular, but that's how you're going to get your life on track, honestly. And I like to invite people out to like the Bible talks and stuff that I got invited to because that's literally what changed my life. If you give someone an impossible mission, but you tell them everything that's in it and they take it, then yeah. But if they don't take it, that's not your problem because why? You told them exactly what the mission was. Yeah, and the mission is tough, but it's literally to go make disciples. And even learning to make that my new thing has been so tough because now I'm, I'm being taught that my purpose on this planet is literally to just go make other people believe in God. I was like, oh my God, this is really tough. I can't do this. Um, but yeah, I would tell them to take the Bible exactly as it's written. Obviously, some things in there are metaphorical, but on the scale where sin is concerned and other stuff like that, take it literal and just apply it to your life. And pray. Oh my God. 
Yes. Yes. Pray. Do you know why? Because I used to hate praying. I felt it felt like a chore. I'm like, listen, I I was already doing stuff. I went to church already. Why do I need to pray? But a quiet time. You know, I'm gonna challenge everyone on here. Do a quiet time in the morning. Wake up an hour early before everything and read. I'm gonna read the whole read the whole Bible, but start with John, man. Just read John and see God's heart, like Jesus' heart and how he deals with people. Then pray about it honestly and do a soap method. Scripture, observe something from the scripture, apply it, and then pray about it. That's it. That's what's been helping me. And if you do it every day, you see the Bible move. So yeah, that's it. I say pray. I hate praying. I love praying now, but I still hate it a little bit because it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> but pray, honestly. That's how Jesus got his strength. Like his super sane powers was coming from prayer in it. He's like, I ain't trying to die on this cross. What do you mean? And he said to pray about it. <laughs> yes, man. Uh, I want to thank you for answering all my questions, man. You've been an absolute blessing to talk. Thank to you. Me. And you've been a dream, honestly. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs>